Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter, and welcome to the Daily Check-In for July. Oh, what day is it? July 9th, 2020. Wow. Uh, the days are flying by, and I'm just getting lost in the tumult. But here we are. It is Thursdays, which means it's Thursdays on the edge, and today's topic is going to be all about Kubernetes on the edge. Is it a good idea? What options are out there? And we'll do a little analysis. We'll, we'll figure some things out. So that's going to be good. I do have a few housekeeping items for today. The first thing is, as you may or may not already know, I have a podcast called Day 2 Cloud. It is a longer form podcast that's on Packet Pushers, and it really focuses on the operational realities of working in the cloud. With that in mind, I'm really looking for some fresh guests to have on the podcast. We've got some vendors lined up and that's, you know, that's fine. But I want to reach out to you. And if you have a cool or interesting project or you've stumbled across one that you think would be an interesting topic, reach out to me. Let me know. I want to hear from you. Who do you want to hear on the podcast? Could you be a guest? Hit me up on Twitter or on LinkedIn and let me know. And I'd be more than happy to discuss it with you and potentially set up an episode. So that's uh, that's one thing. The other thing is I've had a couple vendors approach me about sponsoring this show. And initially, I wasn't planning to do any kind of ads. At least I didn't want any ads from YouTube. I didn't want you know ads being dropped when you're watching the YouTube video or ads being dropped in the podcast through Anchor. But I could accept sponsorship dollars from a, a vendor potentially. What do you think about that? Do you want no sponsors at all? Um, you know, even if I accept a sponsor, it's not going to impact what I talk about. But would you be interested? Would it would it impact the show for you in any way? If you know, if I just said at the beginning, "Hey, this show is brought to you by X Johnny's." bagel hut or something. If that would be fine with you, then I'll, I will reach back out and say, Hey, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm okay with this, but you know, uh, I, I, we could either do a fully sponsored episode or just, I could say, Hey, this, this episode is brought to you by, and then talk about a little bit about whoever, whatever that vendor is, but keep it very short. So that that's my thoughts. Uh, let me know what you think. I, I you know, I want to honor your time. And if you don't care about this and you don't want the sponsors, it's not going to be a significant amount of money for me. I don't think so. I'm okay. Just pushing back and saying no. With that in mind, let's check in. How you doing? It's Thursday. Thursday's good. Hopefully you are, you know, uh, looking forward to the weekend. You've got some interesting plans. I know last weekend was a little crazy with the holiday in the U.S. and everything. I know for this weekend, we are planning to just relax, keep it low key, and just kind of try to enjoy the outside, though thunderstorms are on the way. I feel like I'm living in Florida. And for those who follow, you know, I live near Philadelphia. So feeling like I'm living in Florida is not great because it is so hot and humid. But hopefully you're comfortable wherever you are. Let's talk about Kubernetes at the edge. Now, I guess the first thing to talk about is why would you run Kubernetes at the edge and what does that actually mean? Now, the reason you might run Kubernetes at the edge is for the same kinds of reasons you would run Kubernetes anywhere. And it's in part because you're looking for a consistent platform for development you're looking for something that developers can use to spin up containers and orchestrate that work to a certain degree. 
And containers make a lot of sense for Edge because it's an easy way to package up an application and deliver it in a pretty lightweight manner. And all you really need at the Edge is some variant of Linux running on something that is able to spin up containers. And that pretty much covers all the flavors of Linux on ARM and x86. So you've got that advantage going for you. Plus, if you want to test your application before you roll it out to these edge devices, I know that AWS now offers ARM processors for one of their SKUs. And so you can just spin up an ARM processor backed EC2 instance and do your testing there and then spin that same code out to whatever your edge device is. Now, I do want to say this works really well for edge devices that have the capacity to run containers, but there is a certain threshold when you drop below that threshold where that doesn't work anymore. And it's somewhere around 512 megs of memory. Once you have less than that available to you, it doesn't really make sense to run containers anymore because there's too much overhead there. Now you're moving into the realm of, I'm just gonna run my application directly on this and it's gonna be a single application type device. That makes sense. And for some devices, you're not going to have more than 512 meg of memory and that's fine. There are other solutions that can help you out with that. But for devices that have more than that, okay, now I have a consistent deployment platform I can use to get my applications rolled out and make sure that they're up and running and get information back. The other thing about Kubernetes is it has the built-in power of custom resource definitions and operators. So if you haven't delved into that world at all, basically custom resource definitions are exactly what they say. You are creating a definition for a custom resource within Kubernetes. Now there's default resources that exist in Kubernetes, things like pods, uh, those and deployments and replica sets and all of those things pre-exist, but you can define your own resources that you want to create. And that's been used to great success. Now, what actually makes use of those custom resources, you might write operators and operators are usually a pod or two that are running in the background and they are, you know, checking in on that CRD, they're checking in on config maps, and then they're making decisions in the same way that if you had a human operator running that system would make decisions. Makes sense, right? So those two abstractions together are super powerful. And if you can bring those down to an edge device and make that your programming paradigm, there's a lot of benefit there. It doesn't mean that Kubernetes is perfect for everything around edge. And part of that's because a normal Kubernetes distribution is a little bit on the heavy side when it comes to resource requirements, not super heavy, but you know, it's expecting to have a server that has a decent amount of memory in it, you know, more than 512 meg, and it's expecting to be able to run its standard cube proxy and the kubelet and all that kind of stuff. And it may not have those resources available to it. Plus the control plane, the API server, all that kind of good stuff that needs to run a node somewhere as well. So there are a number of different edge distributions of Kubernetes that are looking at ways to solve that. And I did want to bring up a few. Now, the first one is one that I talked about a little bit, a tiny bit yesterday when I was talking about the SUSE acquisition of Rancher, because Rancher has a project called K3S. 
you get it, it's like Kubernetes, but smaller because it's three instead of eight. It's very cute. But the idea is they stripped out a bunch of stuff in Kubernetes that didn't need to be there and shrunk it down as much as possible. And they got it under 40 megs as an executable. So the K3S executable is like 40 meg and you can spin it up. It works on ARM or x86. You don't need a cloud controller backing it in any way. You just run it up and you can specify, is this a server instance where it'll spin up the API server and all that jazz, or is it an agent instance? And then you have to tell the agent what server to talk to that's gonna be the controller. So that's sort of the worker nodes versus the controller node or the main node or whatever they're calling it now. Cause I think master's no good name. We're not calling it that anymore. So the primary node that is running the API server. Okay, so that's K3S. That's its model. Another one that's out there is a CNCF project called Cube Edge. In a same way, it's resource optimized. Then they didn't say on the website exactly how small it gets, but it is resource optimized and it works on ARM or x86. And because it's part of the CNCF, it's obviously an open source project. It has a slightly different control model here. Instead of trying to run the control plane locally, you run the control plane up in the cloud, and then you have an edge component that's running on each of your edge nodes that checks in on a regular basis with the cloud controller, essentially. Now, what that means is if communication is cut off from the cloud controller, those edge nodes can keep doing what they know they're supposed to do, but they're not gonna be able to accept any new instructions or you know make decisions uh, that are outside of what they already know. Something like K3S is running everything locally, so there's an advantage there that you don't need a cloud provider. And I, I assume you don't have to run KubeEdge in the cloud. That cloud component could just be in a data center or in a larger gateway type device that has the capacity to run those components. The third one is from Canonical. They make Ubuntu and it's called MicroKates. And it is pure upstream Kubernetes that has also been resource optimized and all that kind of jazz. It runs on ARM and x86, and you can run it on a single node, or you can combine multiple nodes into a cluster. And I didn't have time to delve into that too much. So that's something that I want to explore a little bit more. So I actually have a set of four Raspberry Pis that I use in a, in a K3S cluster. What I would like to do for the next few Thursdays on the edge is kind of do a deep dive into these three different products and examine how they function and how they work on my little Raspberry Pis. So that's my plan for the next three weeks is to kind of do a deep dive into those three uh, different distributions. Uh, if you're curious or you know of another distribution that I should include in that process, just reach out and let me know. I'm happy to add it. Uh, but that's all I have for today. Tomorrow is Friday, so that is all about HashiCorp Vault and the certification for Vault. We're going to delve into another objective, or actually and a continuation of last week's objective. So that will be tomorrow, but that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for watching. Stay healthy and stay safe out there.